Hey, everybody. God's love here. Listen, so this is not going to be the daily bread. I want to reiterate that. Um, we are going, I'm going to take you through a process of critically thinking about things that are um, crippling our society. Um, I'm going to do my best to really explain this and be thorough and take my time because I often get very intense feeling inside when I'm talking about something and I'll start to be rushy, rushy. So I will do my best to take my time to do this. You guys, I was very much inspired um, by one person who said, Sometimes you just need to step out of your comfort zone and put yourself in adversity. And that helps you grow more. So I'm doing something that is different than what I normally post. Um, but it's something I absolutely love doing, you guys. I love to critically think. This is, I critically think about myself. I actually enjoy critically thinking about situations and behaviors. This is why I chose the career path I did in addiction counseling because I, I obsess over analyzing behavior because I have so analyzed myself that I'm very aware of just changes and things I need to address. Um, I know when I get angry, the first thing I think is I'm just angry because I'm upset at myself. And then I figure out what it is I'm upset about myself at. And I go, you know what? That's ridiculous. Um, the other day I will give an example. So, Hey Bailey, I'm, Go ahead and get your water. Okay, never mind. Go ahead and get your water. Um, the other day, I was trying to get a hold of the IRS, and it kept kicking me out of the call, and it was getting very frustrating. And I called the uh, place where I got my taxes done, and the lady's like, "Well, did you push this number and this number and this number?" And I was like, "Well." It ended up being where I started to get really frustrated at the circle of I'm not getting results. And so while I was doing my exercise, um, I really sat there and wondered, why is this upsetting me so much? Um, and I sat there and I go, because I wanted answers right then and I wasn't getting it. And I was getting irritated because things weren't going my way. And then I had to step out of that, you know, and go, God is perfect timing with everything. If it's meant to be, I would have been able to get through and it would have all worked out. And I realized that I was leaning onto my own understanding of I needed to make this call today and I needed to make things happen. And it wasn't the right time. I was distracting myself from what God was trying to tell me the, to, to do in the moment. And so I was making myself angry. And literally when I realized that the anger dissipated, you guys, that lasted maybe 30 minutes. And, um, oftentimes, and just like I did, 
when I was talking to the lady who prepared my taxes, I was getting irritated with her and I'm never like that on the phone. That's what made me really have to address why is this making me so angry? So you guys, this topic is going to be along the lines of how our own behavior and our own mindset and our self is creating our own distress our own toxicity, our own anger, and our own hate. And we want to turn around and blame people, places, and things for the reason we're so angry. We justify anger by using things such as, and we are going to talk about and critically think about racism, you guys. I'm not even joking. This one has been on my mind since the George Floyd death, you guys. And let me specify, I'm going to take you through my process of really critically thinking about everything and, you know, where I'm coming from. Um, so if you start to get upset, that's a reflection of yourself. Okay. And that is the point of this video is to really take you through the critical thinking because so many people were affected by the death of this man and it created a lot of anger, hate, and toxicity in the world that just spiraled out of control. And I also will use an experiment, you guys. Um, so it's good to know my daughter is not taking a nap. Um, she has no idea what I'm going to be talking about. I just, um, she didn't even know I was home from work. So and I literally, you guys have been thinking about this all day at work. So I had to come home and be like, okay, so it's huge. You guys, I'm so excited to do this. And I hope it stirs emotions within you to start really thinking about growing in a more loving way. We're meant to love you guys. And I am not, I don't hate I, I do not have the capability to hate somebody. And I just, I can't. I, there's nothing that somebody can do in this world. Now listen, worst case scenario, if somebody came up to my face, you know, and shot me. It was my time because God has control of everything, whether you want to believe it or not, he is a control. But then many of you will ask, and I took a class on this, why does God allow suffering? Because God created us to have free will. What what's the point of living if God doesn't give us a choice? If God had the if God okay, if God controlled all of us to live a perfect life, then why be why create us? You know what I mean? And even deeper, you guys, because I know where I came from. And I was trying to turn people against uh, the Bible. You know, I didn't believe in God. I came from that. Um, from a broken um, farm in North Dakota, you guys. I came from nothing. And I have reached the other side. So I understand what it takes to, I don't even know where I was going with that. You know, for, 
I totally lost track. And I really got to think about that for a minute, you guys. Okay. Um, for growth. There it is. You guys, I understand and I'm living and have lived the growth it cha- it takes to make the changes that cause us to do this between our flesh and our soul. And uh, so that is, here we go. So you guys, racism, okay? Racism. Equals, racism is hate, okay? Racism is being mean, okay? Being mean, you guys. It's being a bully. Racism is just being a mean person in this world, okay? That's what racism is. You're being a mean person in this world. And man has created this word racism to label it and direct it at what they want to call minorities, okay? Now, back in the day, you guys, okay, during slavery, there was a point in time, there was more, (laughs) we were the minority, okay? So when we sit and say racism is targeting a group of minorities, that isn't even correct in itself, okay? Man made a word that the definition does not match what they what they're trying to say because even in the times of slavery and mind you you guys this is critically thinking i want you to really let your guard down let me let me back up here a minute this is so very important that you guys let your guard down and I'm going to show you an example of how quick racism works, okay? Like, because as soon as I said it, I guarantee somebody who watched this video right now, you watching, somebody got really upset and you wanted to get defensive like this because you just hear the word and the first thing you do is your mind turns to anger. I know somebody did. In fact, a lot of people do. So I'm going to show you an example And uh, listen, I don't like yelling in my house. And so I utilize (laughs) video chat. um, And I'm not going to get up from the table right now to like walk away. I want you guys to know that like this is for real. I'm going to show you how using the word racism um, causes people to react. My daughter is a very vocal person and as soon as she hears it like she gets instantly like the fight in her wants to come out the what we call Karen wants to come out and like she doesn't think logically most people do not think logically when they hear the word so here we go Hey, did you just get up? No. Mm, have you been doing homework all day? Kinda. Oh, you look beautiful. Thanks. Can you hear me? Like, do you hear the words I'm saying in your room? Not really. Okay. 
So I have a question. I want to say something to you on camera. It's not live, it's recorded, but I just, I want you to give like your real authentic opinion. Frederick Douglass was born in 1818. <laughs> Will you please come do this for me real quick? Please, Bailey. No, it has to be you. You're the only one who can do it. Please. No, I can't tell you. I can't. Bailey, this is, it has to be, it has to be a spur surprise. Otherwise, it's not real. No, because then I'm going to mess up. No, you're not. You're not going to mess up. I want you to say what's from your heart. Please. Oh, I love. Yes, absolutely. How much? You, 20 bucks. That's a lot. I know. I love you. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, you have to be, otherwise it doesn't look real. No, please. Can I please just be anonymous? No, no, no. Please, please Bailey. No, you I look said, so beautiful. I said I would not show my feet. I will buy you your muffins and I, you won't even go to the store. <laughs> please don't do that. Cause, please, Bailey. I love you. <laughs> oh. I hate this. Okay, so everybody, this is my daughter, Bailey. And she's such a big supporter and full of sarcasm. <laughs> she's a lot like her mom. So, Bailey, I want to tell you. So, today, we were, uh, I want you to think, like, how would you feel about this? Like, this was, okay, somebody at my work was being really racist, one of my coworkers, okay? Okay. She went into the room and, uh, um wait what did she say i'm gonna tell you um uh she was okay the guys were outside by their truck and she walked in and she goes i should have known there were jalapeno i should have known how their room looked because they had limes and jalapenos and all of this you know what? mexican food um, I don't think that kind of food has a race. Do you think it was racism? How does it make you feel? That's so uncomfortable. Why, Bailey? But really, how that's, does it make you feel? That's so racist, bro. Like, you gotta sit food, down and say it. No, Come on, please. Who doesn't have a culture? Well, actually, yeah. Oh, no. Wrong. You can't post that. What should I say? What, what oh, should, don't post should that. I say something to her? How do you feel right don't now hearing that? that? Okay, how do you feel don't right now? This. Are you angry? Don't post that. Okay, how do you feel though? Makes you angry? Yeah, just don't post that. Okay, how, what would you have said if she would have said that to you? How should, what should I have said? I would have just hit her. You would have just hit her? And I would have stuck on the ground. I'm like, oh, there's your food. Go, babe. <laughs> <laughs> now you really can't post that. Oh my god. Okay, Bailey. Wow. Love you. I love you too. Thank you. Listen. You're not going to post it. Come here. You're not going to post it. We're going to review it. Stop. I'll edit it. Okay? Come here. I love you. Stop. You no. said exactly what I no. needed to hear, Mom, Bailey. Stop. Like, you're going to post that, and I don't want that to be posted. Okay, Bailey, you said exactly what was needed to be heard. I'm telling you right Mom, now. Please just don't post that. Okay. We'll talk about it later. Like, I'm running time. Don't post that right now. Okay, I won't. We'll talk about it later. Okay. I love you. You look beautiful. I love you. Can I get a... Yeah, yeah.
Yeah, I love you. <sighs> okay, you guys. There it is in the raw. And my daughter, when she's actually in the situation, she's mean. And you just heard what she said. Just hearing the word racism triggered her to get angry. And she wanted to return the hate. Okay? Just hearing the word. Now, mind you, yeah, it isn't nice. But what inspired me to really, really do this video was this morning, one of my co-workers actually was talking about how her son, who is a fifth grader, maybe younger, he's fourth grader, he's a fourth grader, okay? She was at home and he was making faces like this. She goes, he was doing this and, and saying stuff. She goes, I had to get on him. She's like, I had to get on him and tell him that was racist and we can't be doing that and it's inappropriate. And I was like, first of all, that's learned behavior. He's learning it from some, something. And second, as soon as something mean happens, we label it racist when it's especially against a different race of people. And I asked her, like, why didn't you just tell him that was mean? What it came down to as I started thinking, why are we sitting here? Why are you getting angry at your son? This is what I thought of. This was critically thinking, you guys, in that situation. Why are you getting angry at your son for displaying learned behavior instead of teaching him and sitting down and going, son, listen, I want to tell you, when you do that, it, it makes people feel um, uncomfortable because of things in history. So we shouldn't do those things because it's not very nice. Instead, what did she do? She got angry. She um, criticized her son. And she told him what basically what you're doing is wrong and it's racism racism and she put a label on it you guys see racism is a man-made label and when we use it we say it's racism and then we're sitting here mad okay and uh it was just craziness and I sat there and tried to tell her that and she goes oh he knows all about racism and he knows it's wrong and it's like yeah but the thing is, is racism has become such a broad um, word that you didn't actually target his behavior and explain to him why it was mean. And that is lies where we parents, okay, I will include myself, do not teach our children the right behavior and the wrong behavior. We put such a broad word. And then as soon as they do something wrong, we get mad and we label it. That's racism. Okay, you guys, listen, that's the truth. It's so broad. What did that child learn other than you can't do this because it's racism. Now what I did was wrong. What else is wrong with me? That's what he's thinking in his head because I was a child who had to go through, um, Everything was wrong. 
Like anything I did was wrong. So he's sitting here going, what part of it was wrong and why? When you don't explain to your children or other people, you know, the exact nature of your wrong, how are they going to know? And so that really just, that really hit home with sitting there thinking about it. And I was just like, wow, you know, you really, you kind of, you planted a seed in your child that is wrong. You guys, just there was no handling of the behavior. Now, when I backtrack and we're talking George Floyd, that made me realize, okay, we're going to take it further. We're going to start from the beginning with George Floyd, you guys. And you know what? Either let me say it all and then you can post what you feel at the bottom and be honest. Like there's nothing anybody can say that will change what I believe. Um, but this isn't me like enforcing my beliefs. This is me taking you through the critical thinking process I go through to come to the belief that I know to be true and how I live it every day in myself and how I teach my children. That is what I'm taking you through. Okay. And this is the, the, the biggest, you know, thing that happened, um, in our world this year that just tailspinned, you know, what my coworker did with her son, this one behavior and I'm going to take it even further to why, okay, was not addressed appropriately and it spin-tailed other people just restart, re, uh, responding in hate, responding in hate. And these people justified, <clears throat> and I'll give you examples of different justifications I've heard, okay? Oh man, the college in me is coming out, you guys. God has trained me for this moment. I've taken so many courses on justification. Um, there's also talking about society and how we fluctuate and where you came from and what gets made available financially. Like people who live in the slums have very little chance of moving forward. You guys, this is what really started it. I came from nothing. Okay. You guys, I truly believed I was nothing. I was in nothing relationships. I was an, I became an alcoholic. Like I literally had nothing inside of me. I was a toxic person in this world. And I came from a world that I, that told me I was nothing. We were living in poverty in an abusive home in every level. My stepfather mentally abused me to receive joy. And the reason I could forgive him is because you know what? He learned that from somewhere to feel better about himself because there's something missing inside. And because with the grace of God, I do forgive him. And that's why hate cannot reside in me. Like that was my greatest demon. And I truly like after that, like everything else, just, um, all the negativity is just flowed out of my life. So you guys, I came from nothing. And I believed I was nothing. And when I started college and they were telling me how your race and where you come from and financially determines where you end up in this world, truly there's a class on this, there's language on this. And I kept sitting there like, but I don't fall into that. I know that I'm going to achieve 
something great. I'm going to achieve greatness within my own little life in, in what God is guiding me. And I realize that society hinders itself. Black, white, Asian, you name it. Mexican, we hinder ourselves in these belief systems by hearing these words and they trigger us to hold ourselves back. Just like I showed you, just hearing the word racism triggered anger in my daughter. And I knew it would. And she would be the type of person, if somebody said that in front of her, like, I'd, she would say it openly and that hate would spew out. She, And that's just the truth. So you guys, when I was sitting here taking these classes and I was like, but I am a minority. Like I was a minority. I lived like in poverty. Um, my family told me I would be nothing. I was uh, surrounded by people who were nothing. Like I didn't have any um, good examples of people that I was around. I was surrounded by, you know, toxic people that just lived toxic lives. And I believed that's all I could achieve was that life. Um, and you guys, I'm sitting here having dealt with everything on the inside of me. It's changed me. I know I'm going to succeed in this life. I'm going to succeed. And I just, I have that much faith in where God is taking me. Why? Because I let go of my understanding and my belief system that was wrong. And I leaned onto God to bring me out of the mindsets that made me believe that those were true. They were painful. It was hurtful. There were times I wanted to die. Now I sit here and I go, I know it's a feeling in my gut, in my soul, in my heart. I'm going to achieve great things. I'm going to be successful. I just have to do the steps to take it. And it didn't matter where I came from. It doesn't matter what people say. Just like right here, I truly um, am not going to be fluctuated in my emotions by any negative response. If you respond to negativity, you're opening yourself up to grow. So those who do respond and are upset, like, I hope that it does. I want people to be stirred up by emotions. And I know that anybody that does say anything negative directed at me, that has nothing to do with me. There's something broken inside, something that needs to be addressed. So it has nothing to do with me. And it's in that understanding that I don't hate Excuse me. I don't hate people. And you've heard me talk about, I had a girl spit in my face. And you know what? I didn't even flinch to try to hit her back. My heart just went like this. And I turned around and I knew deep down I would never do anything. I just turned around and I couldn't. Like it was something in me that could not turn around and respond in hate. And there was a deep deeper meaning to that whole thing. That's spiritual warfare, even deeper. So you guys, we're going to get on the thing. George Floyd. <laughs> um, George Floyd was a black man who died at the hands of a cop who used too much aggression at the time of his arrest. And that aggression suffocated that man and he died from being suffocated. That is the facts, okay? You take the emotions out of it. 
there was another cop standing beside him who did nothing to help. He stood there just scanning the area to make sure that nobody who was videotaping or who was standing by would come on and rush them. George Floyd did say, I can't breathe. And slowly, he died. That is the facts. Okay, you guys? Now, you have a black man who was being arrested, who died, and you have a white cop who showed no emotion to this man dying or the fact that he was suffocating. Now, I'm going to take you in the minds of what really the other side, before we even touch on Pink Pink Floyd, good Lord, um, I'm going to take you on the other side of uh, the mental workings of what it's like to deal with people as a cop, as a CO in jail. I've spent nine months in jail. I've been the person being arrested who was just rude and mean and, you know, has been that nasty person. Okay. And I've seen some stuff in jail that changed how I saw authority. You guys, God used situations in jail to show me that he appoints people within the jail system. He appoints people within the, the, like for police and highway patrol. He appoints these people for a reason because they believe in something greater than themselves. People don't just go, I want to be a cop because I want to earn lots of money and I want to shoot people. No, they want to be a cop. They want to work these jobs because they believe in something greater than themselves. They want to do something good and change this world. Now listen, you guys, when I was in jail, okay, there was so many women who were nasty to the CEOs. They would call them names, make snide remarks. They would say whatever it is they wanted to say because they knew a CEO could not manhandle them. I did this, you guys, and I'm going to tell you an example. Um, I was arrested for not showing my ID and, um, I was very entitled. I was intoxicated. Um, I was quite lucky. I didn't get in trouble for that, but I did spend a night in jail and that night in jail while I was a little bit intoxicated, I sat and I yelled and I sat on the, I laid on the floor and I rocked the door all night long to annoy them because I wanted to be booked in and they hadn't booked me in. Let me tell you how rude is that behavior? And you know what? I knew exactly how far to go before they could actually come in and do anything. I knew how far I could go and I did. I pushed that button to the line and you know what? I knew they couldn't come in and do anything about it because I, I, I just knew like that's, can you imagine now being on the receiving end, being at your job, be at your job and you have somebody doing a rude behavior. Imagine somebody um, calling you a name, you jerk, you jerk, right there standing next to you, jerk, you're a jerk. 
Imagine somebody doing that your entire shift. Imagine it. You're a jerk, and there was nothing you could do about it. Okay, okay. You had to hold that in. You couldn't do anything about it. Okay. I want you to imagine that. Now, these people, these CEOs, these cops, especially cops, they deal with this on an extreme level. You guys, they. I've heard. And beyond me, like that was very probably minute compared to what they've had to deal with. I knew one CEO who told me that people have come at her after pooping and picking it up, and they came at her trying to throw their feces on her. There was nothing she can do but try to restrain her.、Um, and how do you do that? Okay, they deal with this every day. Just the same as a cop, they deal with this every day. The people that they pull over, and you guys, you see it all the time on Facebook. How people react to, well, I have rights, and you're invading my rights, and you can't do that, and I'm going to school you. Imagine somebody coming into your job, and you're a fast food worker, and somebody tells you you don't know how to serve an ice cream cone, you don't know how to pour pop, you can't put a burger together, and they just keep telling you constantly that you suck at your job, and they know better than you. How would you feel? But these guys are dealing with it on a Deeper level, <clears throat> because a fast food worker would be able to react. Because we've seen that on Facebook too. Oh God! Oh, we've seen that people, fast food workers are now able to come over the line and beat the crap out of the customer that is、uh, being nasty. But a cop cannot do that. They have to show restraint. Okay, now imagine living your life like that for years. Eventually, you're going to explode, you guys. You hold so much in, so much anger, so much resentment. You're going, you're going to take it out in places, and you'd be sick of stuff. Okay, now the moment George Floyd got arrested, I guarantee. George Floyd. Well, we're gonna stick with facts, you guys. George Floyd gets arrested, right? The cop puts him down on the ground, and he pins him there, right? His knee on his neck. The cop is probably sitting there, already sick of his day. Maybe had ten people already, you know, waiting. Like you don't know what the dispatcher told that cop. You have no idea. Oh shoot! So sorry. You have no idea, okay,、uh, what he'd been through in that day. He could have possibly had a man before that who could have been black spit in his face, just like I had somebody spit in my face. That happens. He could have had somebody throw poop on him. You don't know. He's had years. A buildup. So when he gets this guy on the ground, George Floyd, he gets him on the ground and he pins him there. He's like, "I'm not going to deal with anything today. I just want to handle it. Keep him here until, you know, it's over." And you know what? At a certain point,、uh, people become numb. 
He doesn't want to hear the excuse. Why? Because he's heard it all before. He's heard people use excuses, and you guys, this has happened. Use excuses to get up and run away because he has no idea. Like if George Floyd is guilty or not, he's just supposed to do his job and arrest him, subdue him and arrest him. And so he does that. But as he's sitting there hearing the crowd, hearing George Floyd talk, hearing all this, he's trying to block it out. And you know what, you guys? He applies too much pressure. It starts to come out. That resentment and hate of all the stuff that he has been doing his whole life from all the people making excuses, you know, just all of it. And he applies too much pressure. And he doesn't want to hear George Floyd say, I can't breathe. You know why? Because he's heard it all before. And let me give you an example. Um, a CEO indulged this with me. One of the women who fluctuate, I live in a small town, you guys. The women that go through jail, we go through often, just like I did. And she was being taken to the hospital. She kicked the CO and ran away. Okay? Um, they don't want to hear, they're tired. Like, so when George Floyd was sitting there going, I can't breathe, this cop who's really just trying to do his job and already numb to not wanting to, to hear and listen to what the crowd's telling him and trying to just do his job, he hears it and he probably goes, I've heard that before. That's not going to work on me, buddy, because the last thing I want you to do is get up and attack me and what am I going to do? Think about it, you guys. Really critically think about the other end of this. Nobody ever, and this is what got me, not one person I ever heard speak on this actually talked about what was going on with the cop and why this happened. Not one single person. The first thing they did was they returned the hate. They didn't think, what, what could this cop be going through? Why would he do that? They just said he was racist. That was the first thing that happened when George Floyd died. This cop was racist. Okay? Now, once that word was used, guess what happened? Anybody of color, anybody who was white that wants to, you know, jump in on the bandwagon, you guys, this is called a bandwagon appeal. Everybody jumped in on the bandwagon because everybody else was doing it. And since everybody else was doing it, I want to do it too. Okay? And yeah, I said that. That's, that's my thought. That was my thought process during the time. Look at how everybody just jumped on the bandwagon and not one person wanted to think about, well, wait a second here. It's not racism. I knew from the get-go, too many people use that word, but it's the mental part of it, you guys. Look what happened when the word racism was used. My daughter is mild compared to how some people reacted. Now you want to hear, okay, racism was used. Suddenly, you get protesters, you get people angry, you get all of this, okay? And it just spirals. It just spirals. So what do the protesters do? The protesters start uh, pillaging, plundering, and burning their own city. 
Why? Because they wanted to teach the cop a lesson. They wanted their voice to be heard. They wanted something. What did you want? Like, did you want blood? I've asked people that. What did they expect? Did they want the cop to be killed? It, a life for a life? Is that what they wanted? There was absolutely, it was just that instantaneous, you guys. And everybody, this is a fact, okay? I've talked about this a lot. Every single person that instantaneously reacted on emotions and hate and anger, you lost control. All of those people in the protest lost control and were allowing their emotions to make judgment calls on how they should behave. And what happened? Their behavior destroyed the very city that understood that this was a bad thing, you guys. And I'm not saying what happened wasn't bad. It was a tragedy. Yes, the cops should get charged. It is bad. A man died. But a man died and look at what happened to people. They used this one word that spiraled so many people. It triggered, you guys. That word triggered hate and anger because of how broad racism gets used, you guys. Everything you do is racism. Well, that's racist. You can't even have your own opinion because it would be racist because we're scared to hurt somebody's feelings. This is even deeper. So many people are scared to speak the truth, just like in this, that they hold back because of the color of somebody's skin. And that is the truth. And people allow themselves to create a belief system based on the color of their skin. Now, what is quite interesting and like critically thinking even deeper, at one point in time, I started asking myself, why is it that so many young black Americans are in jail? Why are they the highest number? And you know what people would say? It's racism. And you guys, no, it's not. Yep, I'm going to I'm going to say it. The reason so many black Americans men struggle is because the history of conditioning they came from. Now let me take you through this. Africans were being enslaved. I can't it was 1619 was the first African-Americans that came over. They were indented slaves, but they were the first ones who came over, and I believe it was Virginia, okay? Thus started slavery. And all kinds of races have been enslaved, but we're gonna pick this topic, you guys. And please bring the guard down. You know, things get, I get intense. Like, this is intense for me. I really, like want you guys to bring your guard down. So you're talking, okay, we're gonna do the math here. 2020 minus 1619, 
Yep. That's 401 year, you guys. It's been 400 years plus one um, since slavery, when slavery began. That's four generations of the black American race living in a certain mindset. Okay. Now, back in Africa, back then, it was villages. It was very um, raw living. They lived in villages. They lived in huts. They hauled their own water. They're very, their belief system was very simple. Um, they didn't have cars. They weren't trying to, you know, change their lifestyle. Their eating was simple. They grew what they ate. Their lifestyle was very simple, very, you know, it was their own way. So you take that culture, you guys, you know, and there are many ways people became enslaved. Their own people were selling them, not just people coming over and taking them. That's generally was not how it happened. People within their um, culture, their own people in their village would sell them. And it was very sad. Um, this still goes on today, you guys. I watched a documentary about how children became available for adoption from Africa. And this is no kidding. There was a woman who lived in the village and she was like the mediator for, you know, getting kids from the, the African villages and bringing them over to America. Now, when they actually, oh, I wish I would remember this show. When they actually followed the path of how this happened, this woman who was part of this tribe would go to the broke families and go, I know a better home for your children to have a future in this life. Like, don't you, she would, she would manipulate these parents into believing that their children would have better opportunities. You guys, this is how adoption happens. This is crazy when I watch this. She manipulated them to believe their children had a better opportunity living in a home that had money, people, places, and things that they could not provide. So these parents would let their children go. It would rip. Can you imagine having your heart ripped open, you guys? But listen to this. She would then put the children in a, in a sanctuary or something that was like the in-between, right? Now, between her and a couple of other people that were running this... They would find a, um, an adoption family in America. They would charge the adoption family <clears throat> ridiculous amounts of money for years. These children would remain in this sanctuary. The American family were being charged for years for, you know, them taking care of the children. They weren't ready, this and that, right? So once they paid the full fee, then these children were sent to America. And you guys, this one family blessed them, opened their hearts and spoke openly. When they found out that the child they adopted didn't even want to leave their parents, they were scared. They were shocked. They had been ripped from the parents they loved. Then they went back and tracked the mother. The mother was so devastated. She goes, I loved my child. I thought I was doing what was best because what this woman told me. This woman was part of this village. How sad is that? And she ripped a family apart for money. 
Oh, I gotta leave that there. For money, what does money buy you? People, places, and things, you guys. Make money buys you status. It can build, it gives you power to build, but when somebody makes money in that way, why have it? Like, why would you want to make, why would you do that to a human life? So you guys, slavery is still going on today and they're just trickling it down to the children. So now you get slavery has started in America and you have plantation after plantation after plantation, you guys, where, um, I mean, I do believe, okay, and I, I don't have anything to cite this right now, but I was doing some research on slavery and at one point in time, um, Abraham Lincoln uh, did a, a graphic map of white versus black population and the blacks outnumbered the whites. And you guys, um, I'll, I can't find this map right now because obviously I'm recording this. But don't take my word for it. Actually do the research, you guys. Really look up what I'm saying. So in that, you have a huge group of black Americans now who were slaves. And what kind of life did they live? They lived as slaves. Every day they were told what to do, right? They had to live on nothing. They were beaten. They lived, imagine the life their daughters were, um, you know, used however. They had, they were told every day what to do. You guys, this was, you know, decades and decades and decades. When you, um, just like I had to come out of my family abuse that had been going on for decades, the same goes with black Americans. When you look back at their history, their parents who were slaves, um, you know, had to raise their children to follow the slavery. Okay. You do as you're told or you're wise, you're going to get beat. And you know what? Don't talk that way. Okay. Now, when you fast forward and think about it, I've watched so many videos where mothers, black American mothers, and this isn't all you guys. These are the videos made to look funny, but it's not funny because it's truth into that. You guys, and this is how they raise their children today, okay? A black mother, I'm going to take this video. She gets a call from her daughter that her nine-year-old son is chilling with a girl in her home. The mother comes home, the daughter's recording this, and the mom's on the phone, and the mom breaks out a breaks off a big stick in the yard. She's already planning to beat her nine-year-old, okay? Because she thinks her nine-year-old is um, having sex in the house. Um, my first thought was, what? Like, where is your child learning that this behavior is correct. What What is going on within the home? Because let me tell you, my daughter's 14 years old and I guarantee those things have never crossed her mind. Why? Because I don't act like that. Now, she goes in the home and the first thing she, she just jumps all over that boy. You can't do this. She just starts saying these very, she's vulgar. Like accusing this boy of having sex with a girl and he's nine and he's her son. She doesn't even stop to question him. She's like, I'm going to beat your ASS. And she's just vulgar with him, you guys. That is conditioned, okay? 
conditioned from centuries. That's nobody's. Nobody has told this woman that's how she has to be. She just thinks that's right, just like I thought who I used to be was correct. Now, imagine a child who's nine grows up in this setting. What do you think he's going to do when he gets older? He's going to behave in that manner, and he's going to lash out because he was never showed love. And you know what? This guy wasn't do. This kid wasn't doing anything but playing video games with a friend. That was it. The sister played a prank. And but look at what the, how the mother reacted. She didn't even sit down and ask what's going on. Okay, she never evaluated it. She reacted on emotions to her understanding of he could possibly do this. Why would she think that her nine-year-old son would do this? Because he sees it from her, and she's scared he's going to mimic her behavior. It comes down to parenting. So, you guys, that's a big one. I really want you to think about that. Just like a white person who comes from poverty and abuse, I was starting to do that with my children, and not physically abuse my children. But let me tell you, like I definitely wasn't parenting correct. I definitely wasn't being the influence they needed to see. But I started to see that in myself, and I knew I had to change. And therein lies why so many Black Americans struggle in society. Because that's all they know, and they are a large number of Americans. So, because they, within their own race, practice verbal abuse and mental abuse, and、uh, to their children, and I said it, they actively practice abuse, and. They、um, use excuses like, "Well, that's just how we are," and that's going to teach them. Just like, "Oh, they need a butt whooping." No, violence never solves anything because look at where violence has got them today. Great, like right there, violence hasn't gotten anyone anywhere. Four hundred years and another year, and they're still. Living in the same mindset as they did when slavery started. Why? Because they make the choices to live like that. You guys, that's the truth. Just like my life was an accumulation of my choices, that's what it is. So when you want to talk about why, it's not racism, you guys. You're doing it to your own culture because it's a learned behavior, and you don't know any better. Just like I didn't know any better, you guys. I was thirty-five, thirty-five, before I actually、um, started really seeing that、uh, how I was becoming. That my children were not being nurtured. That I was toxic. That I was toxic to other people. And that if I didn't change, my children were going to end up just like me. 
and I was just like my mother, and my mother was just like her mother, and her mother was just like her mother, suffering at the hands of abuse, having crappy relationship after abusive relationship, okay? You know, living dead-end jobs with no future just because you didn't know any better. Like, truly, it's a cycle. And when I started, when God showed me this, you guys, and I... And I have to say this, like it literally only God could have shown me this realization because I wanted to change and I asked him and it was painful. It was painful to see what kind of toxic parent I was, you guys. My children were raising themselves. I was present, you know, in the home, but I was so selfish. Children were raising themselves on their own understanding, which was them watching my behavior, thinking that was correct. This was exactly why my son moved out of the home, was what he saw was just causing him distress. And it it was causing this within him. And he finally got the courage to say, I cannot live here anymore. I don't want to live here anymore. And that's why I love him. And I'm so proud of him, you guys. Okay. And see there, it has nothing to do with race. Okay. I'm from North Dakota. I'm Norwegian and Spanish and a little bit of everything else in between. Okay. I'm pretty white. But I grew up in the same mentality as what a lot of people would call, you know, that poverty that that minority group. I grew up a minority. I wasn't, I didn't have nothing. Nothing. Um, but once I started seeing that that came from learned behavior, you guys, I just had the realization yesterday. Like I see where I learned really toxic behavior. And when I used to work a job where my behavior was validated because I got results. And when I said it out loud, yeah, people validated me. They loved me. My boss loved me, but my coworkers couldn't stand me, you guys. Here was the thing. My boss loved me, but a lot of coworkers, they couldn't stand me. And they were constantly trying to chip away at me. Um, why? Because it was the way I handled things. There was no compassion. I wanted them to do what I wanted them to do, and I handled it in the way that I thought got results. And when I said that, I was like, yeah, I did my job and I got validated and my boss loved me because I got results. I realized my dad had said the same thing for years because he was in oil field. And I heard my dad come out of that saying and I realized I learned that behavior from my father. You know where my dad learned that behavior? From his father. My grandpa... That's how he was. That's how he handled family life. And I loved my grandpa, you guys. That'll never end. But the reality of it was my grandpa was a very entitled person. He got results. And he didn't care how he got them. And he was validated in his life. Why? Because he got results. And you know what? That's really... Think about it. My mother allowed men to abuse her. My father was abusive. My stepfather, you know, she didn't have a backbone. She never, she never stood up for anything. 
but she took the abuse and that's why I loved her so much. Like I wanted to save my mom. Like that's all I wanted when I was growing up. I just wanted to save her because I saw how bad being in the abuse hurt her and I never understood why she stayed in it. Like why, why, why? Until I became just like her. I never thought I would sit there and become just like her. But you guys, listen, I remember one time someone, and I'm not going to say names, you know, I'm not here to hurt anybody because we're all broken people, um, being thrown down the stairs and pushed from my back. I went to, um, I was supposed to show up for court and I got drunk before I went to court. I was terrified. I didn't know it. So I got drunk and I thought that would help me. And it didn't, I got too drunk. I had to turn myself in. And when I was in there, the officer who watched me change, she goes, what's going on at home? You know, cause I was like, I'm really sorry. You know, I was drunk. Like I admitted it. I was drunk. Like I just, just wanted to take my consequence and deal with it. And, uh, she goes, I need to know what's going on at home because you know, it looks like you've been getting hit. And I was like, no, you know, I, and, uh, she goes, listen, you don't get bruises like that in the shape of a hand like that, unless somebody hits you. And, uh, it was on my back, you guys. So, uh, I knew it had happened, but I was extremely intoxicated. So it was, it was just like. My excuse in my mind as this was happening was like, this is my excuse, you guys, was, you know what? He's sick and tired of me being drunk. When am I ever going to get it together? I deserved it. That's what I said. I deserved to be hit like that. And you know, I remember my son asking me, he goes, mom, I hear you guys fight. And he goes, you make these weird noises. He goes, what does he do to you? And I go, nothing. You know, Brendan, I remember telling my son, it's nothing. Like I was really drunk. And I go, I probably fell on the ground because I was crying. And that wasn't true, you guys. And I made excuses. When God finally showed me, I became my mother in that moment. Because you know what? That same man, he slapped my eight-year-old son in the face. My son was eight. And he got out of the truck and he grabbed my son by the ear. And he slapped him. And he, he berated him for saying something to me that he didn't agree with. And he goes, what kind of mother are you to not... Teach your child to not talk to you like that. My son was eight. There was nothing he said that was wrong. And when I went to rise up to stand up for my son, this man cut me down and he goes, what kind of mother are you? And I justified him hitting my son because I thought he was right. Maybe he's right. Maybe this, but it doesn't feel right. Like I knew it wasn't right, but I wanted to justify it because I didn't, I was so, because I became like my mother. So you guys, this learned behavior, like just being triggered by the word racism, okay? 
It wasn't racism with George Floyd. This cop did not wake up and go, I'm going to kill myself a man because he's black. Let's, let's put it out there for the facts. When people say it was racism, you're trying to say that this white cop woke up that morning and goes, I'm going to kill me a man because he's black and I don't like blacks. That's what you're saying. No, he didn't. He had his own things going on too. And we never think about both sides of the story, you guys. There are two sides to every story. Now look at the thing with George Floyd, how it spiraled out of control, protesting in different states. It came to my hometown. Now let me tell you how that went down, okay? You had a group of people on one side of the street screaming, right? At people across the other side of the street who, you know, were part of the community too. And they're screaming at them. The protesters are just like, ah, and they're getting, they're, they're screaming at the very community that agreed what happened was wrong. But what, what point are you trying to prove? I had my boss, you know what she told me? Well, look at the tea party. We got results there. Because you say racism around her, and she's on it. And it's like, but that didn't work. Even Martin Luther King said, protesting doesn't work. Why? Because all it is is spinning anger out of control. And when you spin anger out of control, your emotions are spinning out of control. And no good decision ever comes when you lose control of your emotions. Think about the amount of destruction, you guys. Now look at this. Look at what it started. So many people who were not directly involved, right? Who were protesting. Say there's this person not even directly involved. They hear it. They go out and they follow everybody else and start pillaging and plundering and burning. What makes you right? You're telling me that somebody could say this word, that behavior gives you the right. You guys really think about this. Somebody else's behavior gives you the right to be destructive in this world. And I want you to think about that because that's saying, because my stepfather abused me, I have the right to be a negative person in this world. I'm going to sit here and not achieve nothing. Really, that's what you're saying. You're saying somebody else's behavior has the ability to control what I do. And that just isn't the case. There's a lot of people who have a lot of, just like this cop, right? He had a lot of built up history. All these protesters have had probably years of built up anger and anxiety at themselves. And you guys, it's going to get even deeper now. What I've been talking about the last few days it's never about anybody else. It's about self. Those protesters hate themselves. They hate who they've become in this world. And they, they have this going on. But it's easier for them to point the finger and say, racism gives me an excuse to be this way because it'll get results. Instead of actually looking and seeing, no, man, that shouldn't make me angry. I lost control. What's wrong with this picture? I shouldn't lose control because of the act or the words of another person. Let me say that again, you guys. You 
me. We should not lose control because of the act, behavior, or the words of another person. Okay, you shouldn't. That shouldn't affect you into a rage. Okay, and I can say that because, like I said, somebody shot me in the face right now. I would know it was for a purpose. I've made my peace. I know that much. I'm just that confident, and it's not that confident that it ain't gonna happen. It's that confident that I know that that's my purpose. But I wouldn't allow the fear, or the hate, or the anger to control me. And I go back to the time I got spit in the face. You guys, this girl was coming down off of drugs. She lived a very toxic life. Okay, she had given herself away. In every which way to self sabotage. Okay, she allowed people to use her, as well as she used other people. She was a very toxic person in this world. She lost control to the drugs. She was gone. Okay, so when I made a statement that caused her to realize that what she had done was wrong, because she was trying to make somebody sound. She was okay. So I'm just going to tell the whole story. So she liked to stir the pot, okay? She did because then she did. She had control of certain people because that was her hustle out in the world, you guys. So there was another girl in jail, very meek and mild, much like me. And this girl would often come up to her and go, "Well, this person was talking about you, and they were saying this and saying that," and it would cause this other girl to cry. Like, why are people so mean to me? Because she was so loving. Why are people so mean to me?、Um, and this girl would use that to gain control of her, so that this girl would buy her stuff on the vending and all of that kind of thing. And it was a power thing, you guys. When we Cause other people hurt and pain. It's because it makes us feel better about ourselves. It's an ego thing. It's a very sick, psychological ego thing. Just like my stepfather. Okay. So it's this girl who was kind of stirring up the pot was sitting down playing cards, and the other girl told she was crying in her room, and I asked her what was going on, and she goes. She just told me that they're all talking about this, and I'm just—I just don't understand. And I was like,、um, I go, don't listen to what she says, and don't listen to what others. You keep just loving yourself. Don't listen to that because they don't know you, you know. And I walked up to the table, and you guys, I was pretty calm. Like, like I said, not a lot faces me, and I go. To the girl who was stirring the pot, I go, "Hey, for the situation that you were talking to her about, did you say anything to the people who were talking negative about her? Because you know she was trying to pretend like she was her friend." And she looked at me. She goes, "No." I go, "Did you stand up for her?" She goes, "No." And I was like, "Okay." And I turned around and walked away. So, this girl, I went over and I talked to the other girl real quick, gave her a hug. This girl walked down to the end of the pod, and she started kicking every single door. And I walked back to my room, and I was like, "Oh man, it's almost locked down." I was like, "I don't need to deal with this girl. She's just 
she's she's a little crazy she comes stomping back up and she got right in my face you guys and she looked at me like she wanted to see fear in my eyes and I didn't I looked at her like this like you're not gonna I'm not I don't fear you and she spit in my face I stood there for a second and I turned around and I walked to my room like literally like this I walked to my room because I just I did I didn't know what to think. I was like, wow. Like, I knew she lost control. Like, I was very aware then about controlling emotions. So I, you know, asked somebody to remove me from the pod. You know, they locked everybody down. And when they pulled me out, I just started bawling. And you know what the thing about it the most? I didn't bawl because of what she had done. I bawled because I didn't understand why I didn't even react. Like, the inside of me was so soft and tender. I couldn't, I just couldn't. And it, I just didn't under, I was like, I can't, I couldn't hurt her if I wanted to. And you guys, here's the thing. She lived a broken life. She didn't know how to control her emotions. And that's a really sad thing. And for this girl, she's going to have to face all those choices she make, made. And the last thing she needed in her life is somebody to hold a grudge against her on something she couldn't even control guys that's the protesters that's you when you hear the word racism you guys morgan freeman was the first person i ever heard talk about racism in a different way that really made me think he goes it doesn't exist and he's correct and i want to state that because he was the one who said it first that i heard it from first okay racism is not a thing man made racism to justify returning hate Okay, we, we created the word to justify returning hate. And now we use it in such a broad span, just like I brought up with my coworker. Like we don't even address the behavior issue. We just get angry at something and we debit racism. And I really want you guys to think about this thought process, you guys. I really want you to think about it. This is so huge in our society. We limit ourselves by following these broken belief systems. Racism is not a thing. If you want it and you truly believe in it and you listen to that voice in your head and that fire in your heart, you will succeed. You will achieve success. But you're gonna have to go through some things. I've went through some stuff, you guys. When I was going through points in time to get here, there was times I slept in my car in December. Why? Because taking the easy road would have hindered me. And I knew I had to take this way to get here today. But the easy road is so easy. It would have been so easy to ask everybody just to help me. Help pay for me to get into my apartment. You know, help pay for me to get this. Let me live with you. Let me, you know, let me do this. There was things I asked for. I asked for somebody to take care of my children. But when it came to me, I took every step that God laid out. And it was, it was hard. There was no instant gratification, you guys. And that's the thing about coming out of toxicity, coming out of that limited belief. You're going to have to go through some stuff. God is just not going to lay your blessing in your lap. Okay, you actually have to go through things. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to put in the work, and that in lies, 
where people make so many excuses, black, white, whoever. It's because my race, society holds me down because I'm black. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Society holds me down because I'm black. Society held me down because I was white. So easily said. And I'm actually a minority. No, I held myself down, you guys. And just like the young black American, when you say those things, society holds me down. Society has control of your life? No, it don't. Nobody has control of my life but me. Like, I, God has ultimate control, you guys. Let's just make that clear. You know, we can't forget. God actually has control of everything. But when I trust in God and I make the right choices, I have control of making the right choice. You have control of making the right choice. To the black American who goes, society's holding me down. Okay. What are you doing with your time? That's what I want to know. What do you do with your free time? Are you planting seeds for your future? Or are you busy, uh, you know, wasting it on things that don't serve you? How are you spending your free time? Because that determines whether you're actually putting in work for your life or not. Nobody's going to hand you anything. And I guarantee every single person that goes, society holds me down. It is never society. It is your limited belief and thinking you can achieve greatness. So you never go out and do the hard work and you never try. How many people go, I can't get into college. Let me tell you guys about getting into college. I almost flunked my high school years. I took algebra twice just to pass. Like I barely passed. You guys, I barely passed high school. I was not smart. I didn't care. Okay. That's where it came down to. I didn't care. I didn't apply any effort. I passed. I did just enough to pass. Now here I come to applying to colleges. I applied to my hometown. You know, you guys, I would have been accepted. And then it's not just even getting accepted, you guys, right? Okay, because accepting is easy. The financial part, guess what? Because I've lived so broke, um, there was so much financial aid available to me. And what wasn't available in scholarships, the loan I took out, I was able to, you know, after you graduate, when you really, after you graduate, then you start paying on your loan. Okay, and this is how the breakdown, you guys. I was able to sit down with the counselor and do a breakup plan. Six months after I graduate from college to become an addiction counselor, I have six months to start paying $151 a month on my college loans. This is a 10-year plan, you guys. There was so many grants available to me. Okay, so six months after I graduate, okay, I'm going to have a job. There's no way I would just sit down. And even if I didn't, the job I have now would cover that cost. Any job would cover that cost. So those of you who say there's, I can't do it financially. No, you're limiting yourself because you think you can't. And have you tried? Have you tried? You know how many people say I wanted to, but they never actually went and filled out the application and talked to a counselor. Actually do the work. You have to actually go in, fill out the application. You have to talk to somebody. You have to you have to go for something. You can't sit there and just make up things in your mind and say, well, I can't do it just because you think you can't. 
You have to actually try first. And that's what I mean by don't just take my word for it, you guys. Don't just take my word for things in anything I say. If I, if I can push anybody to do anything, is not only critically think, but start doing the research yourself. Don't take anybody's word for anything. You want to know why? Again, I'm going to take my job. So the maintenance man decides to bring a new chemical into the work, okay? And he's talking about how great it is and all of this and that and blah, 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 right? They're just saying, um, you know, it's going to be better. I got to try this yesterday, okay? And it was streaky and the fumes were so strong. The chemical fumes, right? They say, oh, it smells good. They told me it smells good because I'm so natural. Like I'm, I didn't want to try it. And I tried it yesterday. My nose burned. My throat started closing and I got a headache from it and, uh, started coughing. So I told one of my coworkers, I was like, you know, I just don't like it. I go, it did this to me and I won't work with anything like that. They're going to have to come up with a safer alternative for somebody like me who cannot withstand the uh, chemical fumes that come from this. Okay. So what does she do? We're standing outside, you guys. We're standing outside and there's a breeze. She sprays some on a rag. She goes, well, just smell it now. You guys, there's a breeze. There's no, okay, where I tried it yesterday, when we clean bathrooms, that's enclosed. There's very little ventilation. You can't test something like that, okay? Now, here's the other thing. Uh, I did my own testing. I didn't just take his word for it. Like, I'm sitting here evaluating it. I'm trying it. I'm seeing it streaky. It's definitely causing this. So I say this, and then I end up cleaning with another uh, woman and her daughter. We clean one room together. After saying this, her daughter starts spraying it and I can hear her coughing, right? Then her mother comes in and, they will, and they're standing there and her mom starts coughing in the bathroom, okay? I never take anybody's word for anything. I want to find out on my own because when you start following others, you're following their limited belief and most of the time that's broken, okay? I, I don't. I will never listen to just because somebody tells me to do something. I should believe that to be true. And I, if that's anything I can say from you listening to today or any other video you may see, do not just go off of it because I say it. This video is meant to stimulate critical thinking. Ask the whys. Always ask whys. There's always an answer to every why. If I've learned anything from God, he has shown me why in every question I've ever asked in my life. And I'm not even lying. I have, God has answered every question that I've ever asked in my life. He's answered it. Why this? Why that? He always brings me understanding. I just have to be patient. I can't go, well, God, why this? And he's going to instantly show me. No, he works things in the universe. And eventually he shows me through an experience where I go, now I get it. Now I get why I, I, I thought being that way and getting results was the right behavior. Eventually he showed me yesterday. It's because I learned it from my dad and I used, and you guys, the thing about me mimicking my father is because I wanted him to love me. So I wanted to be 
the person that pleased him. I was a people pleaser. So I began to mimic those behaviors, thus conditioning that behavior into my behavior where I became like that, you guys. That's so deep. Okay? We want so much for people to love us. We will leave our authentic self to do what pleases them. And you guys, right now, I'm telling you, I'm not doing this video to please people. I'm doing it because God brought some deep stuff into my life today. Like he's been on the move where I was just, it just unfolded at work. And I was like, and he's like, are you scared? Absolutely not. Because I know who I am in God and that's all that matters. But I do want you to start critically thinking. This is like, I am all about that. Really think about it, you guys. Think about everything I just said. This may be a video you have to save and watch several times. And, and you know, really think about your life. Think about how this really does apply to you. How are you reacting to this video? Start asking the whys. Start Googling. We have Google at the tip of our fingers, you guys. And how many people actually use it? I use it all the time. Like, all the time. I don't want to just go because somebody tells me I need to verify. I got to verify. Sorry, give me a moment. I love knowing that I found the correct information. That I have, like, I know the truth. And when you know the truth, you guys... You gain that confidence where you don't come back and hate with people. Like for this, there's going to be a lot of people who agree. There's going to be a lot of people who disagree. There's going to be emotions stirred where there's going to be a variety of reactions, you guys. But I want that and I embrace it. It doesn't scare me and it doesn't change how I feel about myself. It doesn't shift my confidence. Because I know who I am and I know what I've been doing and researching and I know my belief system. But that's because I actually asked the whys. I did the research. Like this has been something I've been working on for about over a year. Like when this whole why did so many people from, you know, the black American culture go to jail? It really was just like, I got to know. Because it just didn't, like, and I realized just because, you know, society saying racism is not. Just like, it's a fake word. It's not a fake word, you guys. Let me rephrase that. I do apologize. It's a word and it's real. But it was made by man. In man's understanding. Okay? It's, it's using hate against another race, you know, using hate against another race. A minority group. And it's really targeted towards the black Americans. Let's just be real about that. And honestly, black Americans are not the minority. So right there is hypocriticism. Uh, is that even a word? Hypocriticism in the meaning and the actual word. Because uh, black Americans are not the minority. Yet they say they are. You're not. And society doesn't hold you down. You do in your own behaviors, in your own mindsets, in your own choices. Just like I, just like you. I don't care what color you are. Because God created us. Our souls all look the same, you guys. Our souls all look the same. The only one that holds you back is yourself. Like He made us with his heart image. 
So color doesn't matter. It's not about color. Okay, it's about your actions, your choices. When you come to the juncture of the road, let's say you come home after work, you guys. I could like my day is no waste of time. Okay. Somebody who wants to complain about their life, they come home after work, and the first thing they do is they sit down and start surfing the internet, and they're wasting time、um, in their life, giving attention and focus to something that doesn't serve them.、Uh, eating a bunch of junk food, drinking, drugs, okay,、um, something that doesn't serve your purpose, okay. You're choosing. You have a choice to either start planting seeds for your future, or you have a choice to just do things that don't serve your purpose. And if you guys don't know what your purpose is, like you just start by doing things. Like start doing good things in this world. Serving a purpose means don't waste your time. Do you want an education? What do you want to do? Where do you see yourself? When you take away the distractions, you guys, and this is what I had to do. I had to turn off all my social media. This is when the coronavirus happened. I turned my phone down in the day so I couldn't look at it in the day. If it didn't serve my purpose as far as starting this daily bread, or my school, or my children, or becoming a better version of myself, like exercise, reading a book, okay? If it didn't serve a purpose growing me, I couldn't do it. I had to make the choice to make it stop. Nobody was going to come and take the phone out of my hand, you guys, and that was hard. I really had to dedicate myself. I couldn't just go and sit on Facebook for two hours. I just don't do that, not anymore, because my time is valuable. And now that, and I had a lot of free time, you guys. Listen, when I started doing that, I had a lot of free time, and I would sit there and go, "Wow, like that." That consumed a lot of my time, but once I removed the thing that was wasting my time, I made room for something beautiful. You guys,、um, Steve Harvey, beautiful story, and you know, you guys, I gotta cite these people that really say it because these are the very stories that inspired me. When he was a teenager, he told his mom, "Mom, I'm gonna get a new car." Well, mind you, he's telling us. This and he goes. I had a car up on the blocks in the backyard. He goes. So I I would tell my mom, Mom, I'm getting a new car, and she goes, You still have the old car out back. So the next week he came and he goes, Mom, I'm I'm gonna buy a new car. She goes, You still have your old one out there. And he goes, My mom liked to make me critically think. She was a woman like that. She sculpted me to be the thinker I am today. So. Um, he had to go. Why does she keep telling me this? And so he he went to her and he goes, "Mom, it's just like so. What the car is? My old car's there." And she he, she goes, "Listen, son. Okay. Um, you have that old car out there, and it's up on blocks, and you ain't doing nothing with it. Where are you gonna put a new car? Really think about it. And uh." He's like, oh. She goes, you don't have room for something new because you're too busy making space for the old. So you're gonna have to make space for something new for you to get that new thing. And he goes, in one week, I had the car sold and that spot cleaned up, brand new. And guess what? I got a car. He said, 
goes, there's some value. Listen, you guys, there's some Steve Harvey. He's got some good stuff. You guys, these are the people that inspire me. They get me thinking. Oh, I'm just getting like, you guys, I'm getting the tinglies. So you guys, here we are. How many of you made it to the end? How many of you completely got angry? I hope it stirs emotions in you. Um, I'm going to be honest. I was, I'm, I was very excited to create this video. I'm very honored and blessed that for the few people in my life that were honest with me, even when it hurt and the, and I was angry and nasty and wanted to blame them for my behavior because I was that person, you guys, but they still told me the truth. And it's those very people that got me to where I am today with God, who has gotten me through some real stuff to know in my heart, like to have that satisfaction of I'm going to be successful. And I'm not talking, I'm going to have millions of dollars in this big house. No, the kind of success I'm talking about is I'm living my best life. And I'm giving out into the world. I know, like, I'm okay. And my children are going to be okay. Like, I'm going to live a beautiful life, you guys. I'm living a beautiful life. That's how I know it. I've gotten there. The life I'm living now, I love. I love what I'm doing. But it takes work to get there, you guys. And using excuses such as racism and allowing hate to control you guys, this is what it comes down to. Society, each person individually, you allow hate to control your emotions and make choices for you. And when hate decides which choice you should make, it's always the wrong one. Why? Because Satan resides in hate, you guys. So when you allow a negative emotion to take control of you and, uh, and make the choices in your life, you're going to make the wrong choice. You have to learn how to address that. Instead of blaming others for the reason you're mad, you have to actually address the toxicity, the conditioned behavior within yourself. You guys and I had it all. I had all kinds of conditioned behavior. I was, I was manipulative, self-validating. I was, I, I was all of those things. And yet, I was crying victim. I was always the victim, you guys. It was always somebody else's fault. I was always the victim. And I remember somebody going, you know, talking about the victim role. And I was like, man, I do that sometimes. And I got honest with myself. I do play the victim. In sly ways, we play the victim. Because it's easier to have people go, oh, poor Christine. I know it's so sad. You were an alcoholic and you struggled with that and you're a single mom and you're working this dead end job. We feel so bad for you. It feels easier to be like, yeah, I know. Now I'm a victim and I get attention. That's what it really is, you guys. Like we love playing that card. You know what? The day I realized I played that card, it was over. No more victim. I'm not a victim. Okay. I'm a story of victory. And I want you to be a story of victory, but you have to step outside your limited beliefs and you really got to reach for the stars and believe God will take you there. He gave us all something really special. Everybody was created uniquely, you guys. God gave everybody a gift. What's your gift? Don't you want it? Mm 
So I love you guys. God bless you. And thank you for taking the time. And I do, I want you to critically think, please, with everything inside of me, really think about this and start applying it to your life. I love you guys and God bless.